To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this fourth Sunday in Lent is the gospel for today. But I do want to refer to the epistle from this morning, also 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them. And he has given us this message of restored relationships or reconciliation to tell others. The parable of the prodigal son. While he was still at a distance, his father saw him and felt sorry for him. He ran to his son, put his arms around him, and kissed him. Then his son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, by whom and through whom the whole world has been reconciled to God, my beloved. This morning we want to take a look at the parable of the prodigal son, so named for many years. Prodigal son probably is one of the most familiar parables or word illustrations of Jesus. For many years I thought prodigal, the prodigal son, that meant the lost son. No, different definition. Actually, prodigal can also mean lavishly wasteful. But uh, prodigal can also mean extravagant. There was a book that I read called The Prodigal God. Because God is so lavishly extravagant with his undeserved love for you and me. You know the story. It's all too familiar. Father has two sons. The younger son comes to his father before he died and said, I want my inheritance. It's sort of like the son saying, "Uh, I wish you were dead. I wish you'd die. The father actually does something very unusual. He actually gives him his inheritance, a third of his entire estate, because two-thirds was reserved for the older son. Takes all those assets, property, whatever it was, turns it all into cash, runs away far, far away to a foreign country and blows it all in on a reckless lifestyle. Nothing to eat, so finally he's starving. They wouldn't even let him eat the pig slop. So he finally says, uh, maybe I need to go home to dad. He comes home. The dad takes him back. He actually celebrates the return of a scoundrel because he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Now, to really truly understand the depths of Jesus' illustration, we have to recognize that this parable is dealing with three specific Activities. I want to dissect 
those three activities this morning to really plunge the depths of this parable. The first activity that this parable refers to is forgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Somebody hurt or harmed you deeply, either physically or emotionally or financially. And so God calls upon forgiveness. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with forgetting. Let's face it, we're not going to forget stuff like that when it happens to us. But... Forgiveness is relinquishing the desire for revenge, to get even, for payback, even to be angry. To finally reach a point where you can, in your heart or with your lips, wish that person who hurt you well and Godspeed. You know, the ultimate act of forgiveness was shown by God. Because he recognizes that there is no excuse for sin. There's no excuse for breaking the law. Your sins of, what was it this past week? Gossip? Or the three idols that we always worship every week, worry and doubt and dissatisfaction? No excuse by God for grumbling and complaining. No excuse for all those times that you didn't keep your Lord the number one love of your life. No excuse for the lack of compassion that you had for those in need. But for all of those disobediences, yes, all those sins, God did away with his anger and his desire to punish you and to throw you into hell. Sin has to be punished. Breaking of the law has to be punished. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the gallows of the cross for you. So with anger removed by the punishing of his son, the wrong guy, he could love you once again. And that's forgiveness. And only by knowing that kind of forgiveness do we have any chance of trying to forgive others who have hurt us. Clear up a couple misunderstandings. Forgiveness can be granted without without the person that hurt you repenting or confessing of their sins. Some people who have hurt us deeply leave our lives and we never see them again. Forgiveness was given by God to Adam and Eve and they didn't repent In fact, they came and blaming God. The woman you gave me, the serpent beguiled me, and God forgave them anyway by promising a Savior. Forgiveness is not dependent on repentance by the person who hurt you. And only by knowing of the forgiveness that God gave you can you forgive others. That's forgiveness. Now we move on to repentance, another activity that you see in the parable of the prodigal son. uh, Repentance. Not to be confused with remorse. 
Remorse is when you do something really shabby, messy, whatever it was, and you say, boy, did I mess up. Wreck things for that person, wreck things for myself, and that's as far as it goes. That was sort of like Judas, you know, betraying his Savior, remorse, and then he kills himself. Repentance is the recognition of the hurt or harm that you did to someone else, confessing it to your Lord God, having deep sorrow for what you have done, a desire to change your way, and a desire for forgiveness. You never notice how virtually every Sunday we start out every service after the invocation with a confession of our sins or repentance and then receiving the message of absolution or forgiveness. Now, let's talk about reconciliation. St. Paul talks about it, as I mentioned before, in the epistle when he says, in other words, God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. Now, to clear something up once again, reconciliation is not to be confused with conflict resolution. Example of conflict resolution. We need a church redecorating committee. And it's their responsibility to choose the color of the new carpet for the church. And half the committee wants red. And half the committee wants green. And there's a little bit of an argument. And so a third party steps in and says, you know, you don't like green, you don't like red, you don't like red. How about gold? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do gold as a compromise. And so you install gold carpeting, and the conflict is resolved. Reconciliation has to do with broken relationships. We disagree over the color of that carpeting. And we're not giving in. And then there's personal anger. And there's harsh words spoken. And there's a refusal to speak to another person. And there's harboring of animosity. And there's holding of grudges. Reconciliation necessitates both forgiveness and repentance. As I mentioned before, you can grant forgiveness without any repentance. But for reconciliation, it takes two parties repentance, and forgiveness on both. God reconciled the world to himself. He restored his relationship with all of humanity, St. Paul says. He took away his anger. He forgave. And then he sends us the Holy Spirit to come into our hearts so that we can repent and recognize the sinners that we are and how we need to be forgiven. And so, God and man is reconciled. Reconciliation restores the personal relationship by addressing the personal issues of the conflict. The issues are reconciled through Repentance and forgiveness. The Bible's filled with stories. Jacob and Esau. Jacob, the younger brother, stole his 
uh, brother's birthright and then ran away because his brother was threatening to kill him. Was gone for 21 years, came back. Esau was shaking, uh, Jacob was shaking in his boots. And then it says, when they got together, then Esau ran to meet Jacob. Esau hugged him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him, and they both cried. Reconciliation. Joseph, his brothers sell him into slavery in Egypt. They hated him. Joseph, by God's help, moves up to second in command of all Egypt to save the world from starvation. Meets his brothers. They didn't recognize him. Finally, he revealed himself. I am Joseph, the brother you sold into slavery in Egypt. Now, don't be sad or angry with yourselves that you sold me. It, it, it wasn't you that sent me here. It was God. Reconciliation. Peter, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Oh, never, Lord. I don't know the man. After his resurrection, those three questions to Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Reconciliation. The prodigal son and the father, you and me, the Lenten season, God, the one whom we hurt, takes the initiative to forgive. He broke his relationship with his son so that he might have a relationship with us. He hated his son so that he could love us. Back to the parable. While he was still at a distance, his father saw him and felt sorry for him. Forgiveness. Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I don't deserve to be called your son anymore. Repentance. He ran to his son, put his arms around him, and kissed him. Reconciliation. You notice how virtually every service, certainly every Sunday, before we begin the service, we greet each other with the peace of the Lord. I hope you all recognize every time we do that little activity that it's not just another nice way of saying good morning. The peace of the Lord be with you. And a handshake or a hug. And what you're saying is no matter what, because Jesus forgave me, nothing stands between us. No animosity, no anger. I wish you well. I wish you God's speed. You see, repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation. And that's real peace. And now, let's take a few moments to greet each other with the peace of the Lord.
Amen. Now we stand and confess our faith according to the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. Crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, he suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes, our offerings, and our connection cards. <laughs> 